Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Assistant Pastor Darrell Logan. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Let's continue our worship and bow our hearts in prayers. Father, we thank you. Thank you once again for allowing us to open this book, your word, the Bible. Your word is life. And we're so blessed that you inspired your word. This is your breathe out word. You gave it to certain men to write down and then miraculously you have preserved this word. And so, Lord, we we have your message the way you intended it to come across and we want to receive it that way. And so, Father, I pray for a fresh filling of your spirit. I pray that I would decrease and you increase. I do pray for the gift of teaching. I pray for every person here. Lord, whatever they're going, they're going through, Lord, wherever they're, they are in their walk, I pray that you meet them where they are, that you help them to overcome any struggles they may be having. Or if there's no struggles at this time, we pray that you just continue to bless them and make sure they have a heart of gratitude. We pray, Father, for, once again, just your servants on this campus. We're so grateful. Majority of the people who serve here are volunteers, and we're just so blessed, Father. So, yes, Lord, we do give this time to you. We pray that you'll be glorified. We pray that we'll sense your presence and that we'll leave this place better than when we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so we are in Mark chapter 8. We're going to cover verses 1 through 21. So the title of tonight's lesson is, Have You Paid Attention? Have You Paid Attention? And now the degree that we pay attention to what we're supposed to be learning could actually be the difference between making a smart decision or a not-so-smart decision. The degree to which we pay attention to what we're supposed to be learning could also determine how successful a career is. It could determine how successful a relationship is. And it could even determine how well we can operate certain devices or machines. And of course, the degree to which we pay attention to things that are going around us. It could be the difference between life or death. If we're parents, we have young children and they're eating certain objects or putting certain things in their mouths. It could be the difference between a baby choking on that toy or that that small piece of food. Or it could be us saving that child's life. The degree to which we pay attention to What's going on around us could also determine whether or not we get into a car accident. been something like that. And I want to say back in 2016, I believe, it's, it's right after, you know, uh, Pastor Jim announced that I'll be coming on staff in, in 2017. In that same month in, in, in December, my wife and I, we were going out shopping and 
we were stopped at a red light. We were getting off the freeway. We were about to make a left turn. And so the light changed for us to go. And I remember going forward a little bit. And as I went forward just a little bit, a car came, just zoomed right past us. And literally, it was, it was about three feet away. And so we almost got T-boned if we weren't paying attention. So now, and I would encourage you as well, just because the light turns green in the way or direction that you're going in, don't just put the pedal to the metal. I would stay, stay there for a minute or a few seconds and look both ways. So we can't always, and my father taught me this, he, he taught me how to drive a stick. The stick shift was the first thing I learned to drive, and it was a little truck. And the first thing my dad told me, or one of the first things he told me when driving is to drive for other people. In other words, don't expect people to do what they're supposed to do. And so that stuck with me. But on that day, that, that could have ended up horribly. And so we just praise God for that. But in today's lesson, we're going to see some other people who did something different. They did not do a good job of paying attention. And Jesus called them out on it. Because Jesus was showing them some things through the miracles and through his words. He was showing them some things about himself about who he is and and what he can do as the God-man, fully God, fully man, just perfect in every way. But the scriptures show us that at some point here, and especially in tonight's lesson, they had not paid attention to some of Jesus' lessons. And the question to us is, what can we learn from that? What can we learn from their mistake? And sure, we can learn from other people's mistakes. We can even learn or should be learning from our own mistakes as well. But tonight, we're going to see what can we learn from these disciples not paying attention to some of Jesus' lessons. And so we want to turn to Mark chapter 8 and look at verses 1 through 21. And we want to discern what God has for us tonight. What he has for us to learn. And so in verse 1, it says, In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And he said in verse 3, If I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way for some of them. Have come from afar. So now Jesus had just recently left the region of Tyre and Sidon in Phoenicia, which is part of the territory of Syria at that time. And so they left that region and arrived in an area called Decapolis. And so we want to remember that that's where Jesus is at this time. And in Decapolis, many of the people there were Gentiles. They were non-Jews. They were influenced by the Greek culture. And so there in Decapolis, 
we see once again that Jesus has compassion or had compassion on the people. He wanted to make sure that the people who were there that have continued with them for those three days, he wanted to make sure that they didn't leave that place hungry because some of them, Jesus said, have come from afar. And so there is a spiritual connection to that that came to mind as I was reading and meditating upon this scripture And that spiritual application of what Jesus said about him not wanting to send the people away with nothing to eat, the spiritual application for us is that the Lord does not want us to send people away hungry. And I'm talking about spiritually. Yes, if we have opportunity, we should feed them people who lack food, physical food. But tonight, I just want to show you from this verse some spiritual application about not sending people away hungry. So, Pastor Jim, I'm sure uh, Pastor Al, myself, and anybody who teaches the Word of God here, I'm sure, puts a lot of time and prayer and reading the Scriptures over and over in order to prepare, in order to hear from the Lord what He'll have us to say to His people And he loves his people. And so I trust him to give me what to say to his people. Not because I'm so cool or special or anything like that. But because I trust that because he loves people, that he's going to give me a timely word to share. And so it's our responsibility here that when people walk through these doors, when people step foot on this campus, it's our responsibility to make sure that people don't leave this campus hungry, that they don't leave here starving because of a lack of the word of God being taught. Because many people, like in our scriptures tonight, have come from afar. Some of you have come from right around the corner. But yet and still, we don't want to waste people's time and we don't want to send you away spiritually hungry. You come because you love the Lord. You want to grow. You want to be equipped in doing the work of God. And so it would be shame on me if I send you away hungry. And and I just wonder tonight if that lack of spiritual nutrition in, in some believers, if that's the reason why some people are fainting on the way. Oh, they're, they're living life. They, they receive Christ. But maybe some of them are a little weak right, right now at this time. And I wonder if it's because they're not getting the proper nutrition from the word of God. Or maybe they're just so used to hearing feel good messages or messages that tickle their ear. And so they leave those places of worship hungry and they faint on the way as they go to their jobs, as they go back home and go to their community. Spiritually speaking, they're weakened. And so the same weaknesses they had a year ago, they still have today and still struggling The same place spiritually they were two years ago. They're still in that place because they've been so accustomed to messages that tickle their ears. And so they go home hungry all the time and they faint on the way. They faint on the way to heaven in their walk with the Lord. And could that be a reason why 
There's some people who are supporting things that are not biblically based because they're not rooted and grounded in the word. They have not received enough good or healthy nutrition from the word of God. So that's a problem. And I'm just one person. Pastor Jim is just one person. All of the teachers on this campus, Pastor Rao, just just one person, but we can all do our part. The people in the Sunday school classes with the children, adult Sunday school, junior high, high school, uniquely special, all have a responsibility to make sure the people that God put before them will not go home starving, will not leave this place hungry. In verses 4 through 10, it says, then his disciples answered him, how can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness, in this isolated place? Jesus asked them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks, broke them, and repeatedly gave them to his disciples to set before them. And they set them before the multitude. They also had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he set to set them also before them. So they ate and were filled. And they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. And in verse 9, it says, Now those who had eaten were about 4,000. Matthew fifteen thirty-eight adds, Besides women and children. So there was uh, about 4,000 men besides women and children. And then Jesus sent them away. And in verse 10 in Mark 8, it says, Immediately, Jesus got into a boat with his disciples, with his followers, and he came to the region of Dalmanutha. Dalmanutha. Now, I just want to point out some some differences between the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. You know, some people think that these are two different events and, I mean, the, the, the same event, but... But maybe there's some type of contradiction. But no, these are different events. These are different miracles. The feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000. But some people have been confused. Are these the same? Is there a contradiction in the numbers? And the answer is no. And I'll show you how. It says, in, well, one of them is that the first miracle took place in Bethesda or Bethsaida and involved mostly the Jews. So it took place near Bethsaida and involved mostly the Jews. That, that's the first miracle that took place in Mark chapter 6, if you remember Mark chapter 6. But now in Mark chapter 8, Jesus is in Decapolis where they're mostly Gentiles. So the feeding of the 5,000 or, or in uh, Mark chapter 6, mostly Jews. Here in tonight's lesson, it's mostly Gentiles in Decapolis. That's the difference between these two miracles of feeding the different groups of uh, of people. But then in Mark chapter 6, in the first miracle, the crowd was with him for one day. In tonight's study, the crowd was with Jesus for three days. No contradiction. Different or separate miracles of feeding of the multitudes. The first time in Mark chapter 6, Jesus multiplied five loaves and two fish. Tonight's lesson in Mark chapter 8, Jesus multiplied seven loaves, and it says a few small fish. And of course, we know about the numbers. 
Because in Mark chapter 6, he fed 5,000 men in addition to women and children. And then, of course, in tonight's study, 4,000 men in addition to women and children. Once again, in addition to women and children. So it was more than that 5,000 the first time and really more than the 4,000 in this chapter that we're in tonight. Also, in the first time he fed the multitudes, Jesus or the disciples took up 12 baskets full of leftovers. In tonight's study, they took up seven baskets of leftovers. And I want to point out something about this word basket. Because in Mark chapter 6, verse 43, in regard to the feeding of the 5,000, the Greek word for basket is kofinos. So it's, that's the Greek word for that. And it refers to a small basket. In other words, a personal size wicker basket, and it was used for carrying food. So that's the type of basket they had in, in the first miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. But in Mark chapter 8, verse 8, if you look at the Greek word behind the word basket, it, it comes from the Greek word spuris. And it refers to a reed basket or a hamper. So it was a large basket. And so you'll see large basket here in Mark chapter 8. So this was a lot of food that they had left over. And it just goes to show us that, that Jesus had enough for more people to eat. He had more than enough. Twelve small baskets the first time in the feeding of the 5,000. And this time, seven big hampers. Full of leftovers. So he had more than enough food for people to eat. And I wonder that, that if that's something that we realize. That there's more people we can invite to the feast of the Lord. As far as feeding on the word of God. There's more than enough word for everyone to partake of. So I wonder if we realize that to the point where we invite them to Bible studies. Where, and it could be one-on-one. It could be group setting. It could be Sunday or Wednesday. But there's enough word for everyone. It won't run out. Now, after feeding the 4,000, Jesus, it says in the scriptures, he, he got into a boat with his disciples. And, and then he arrived in the region of Dalmanutha. Now, people are not 100% sure of where this is located because in Matthew 15, verse 39, it says that he came to the region of Magdala. Now, maybe Dalmanutha was a town on the west side of the Sea of Galilee. Maybe it was a town near Magdala. Or it could be that Dalmanutha and Magdala referred to the same location, but People are not 100% sure about the name of this place or the location of this place. But we continue in verse 11 in Mark chapter 8 where it says, Then the Pharisees came and began to dispute with Jesus, and they were seeking from him a sign from heaven, heaven, testing him. They were testing Jesus. And, And not just the Pharisees, because Matthew 16 tells us that The Sadducees also came. And I have a few more scriptures here in Matthew 16, verses 2 and 3, because that's where you want to look to fill in the blanks. It says that 
Jesus answered and said to them, he said to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And then it says, and in the morning, it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and threatening. And he calls them hypocrites. You know how to discern or you know how to figure out the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. And then flipping back over to to Mark 8, verse 12, it says that Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit. He was was bothered by this, by them testing him, seeking from him a sign from heaven. And Jesus asked the question. He said, why does this generation, why, why do the Jews who are living at this time seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. And so now we have a new group of people, a new group of people introduced to our study in in the gospel according to Mark. We talked about the Pharisees. We talked about the scribes and the, the Herodians. But now here we talk about the Sadducees. The Sadducees were actually rivals with the Pharisees. They were their rivals, but they joined together to test Jesus. And now the reason they were rivals is because they didn't believe exactly the same thing because the Sadducees, they accepted only the Torah, the first five books of the Bible as authoritative, whereas the Pharisees added oral tradition to it. The Sadducees said, no, those oral traditions don't mean anything. We're only sticking to the first five books of the Bible. And so another thing that I want to point out about these Sadducees that's different from the Pharisees is that the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection or the future life. And the apostle Paul picked up on that in the book of Acts. And he brought up the argument because he knew that Sadducees and Pharisees were there together. And so the apostle Paul was like, hey, they're they're getting on me because I believe in the resurrection. And so he calls this argument between them because they're rivals. They have different set of beliefs in regard to the future life and the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels or demons. They didn't believe in any of the spiritual world. In fact, these Sadducees were wealthier and they held more powerful positions than the Pharisees. And they controlled the high priesthood and they controlled the chief priests. In fact, the the chief priests and the high priests at this time were Sadducees. They were part of the elite. And these Sadducees, unlike the Pharisees, they were okay with Roman rule. They were okay with that. And so you have these rivals who normally butt heads, but, but here they are coming together, testing Jesus. They asked Jesus to, to give them a sign, to work a sign that proved that he's the Messiah. That's what they were getting at. And the sign, by the way, is an unusual occurrence. It says that it transcends the common course of nature and it speaks of miracles and wonders by which God authenticates the men sent by him. So so God would use or work wonders and, and signs to show people that these men, these people are my people and that they're sharing the message that I gave them. 
And so that's how God would use signs and, and wonders. But they wanted Jesus to do it at their command. But in Matthew 16, 4, and you can write that down, Jesus says that a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. Speaking of these religious leaders, he told them, in fact, that no sign will be given to that generation except, and this is what we don't see in Mark, he said, except for the sign of Jonah. And there he was referring to his resurrection. If you will, turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. And remember what I just said, that he told them that no sign will be given to that generation except for the sign of Jonah. Now in Matthew chapter 12, verses 39 and 40, Jesus says something similar to the scribes and Pharisees. This time it's the scribes and Pharisees. The the scribes, they were the teachers of the law, the Mosaic law, the law of Moses. They helped to interpret it. And so here in these verses that I have on the screen there, he says something similar to them. He said, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Now, this is a different occurrence, a different occasion. For as Jonah, now he expounds on what he means by that, except for the, sound, the, the sign of Jonah. He says, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And of course, on that third day, he will be resurrected. And so that's the only sign they would get. They wouldn't get that sign on their terms when they asked them to. And they're testing of him. No, they were going to get that sign in God's timing. And that would be the proof that Jesus is who he says he is. He is the son of God. He's the Messiah. That's the only sign they would get. Yeah, Jesus said, hey, you had enough information. That's the idea. You got enough information that told them who Jesus was and is. They had enough to go on that he is the Messiah, that he's the Christ that was prophesied about in the Old Testament. But Jesus knew because he knew what was in the heart of man. There's even a scripture that says he didn't need anybody to tell him what was in man because he already knew he's God, fully God, fully man. And so with their heart condition that Jesus knew of, he knew that even a sign would not have been enough for these men. Well, they heard about him. They, they seen him heal people, cleanse lepers and give hearing to the deaf and sight to the blind and cast out demons. They heard about those things. They may have seen those things. They had enough evidence. But Jesus knew for them that wouldn't have been enough. Their hearts were too hard. Their hearts were dull and unresponsive to the things of God. He knew that. And that still holds true today with some people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says this, beginning at verse 22. It says, for Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after human wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. And to the Jews, that's a stumbling block. It's an offense to them. It's an obstacle to them. No, our Messiah is supposed to reign right now on this earth and give us victory over the Romans. 
plus to set up his kingdom right now. They didn't understand that there will be two comings. First coming, he will be a lamb. A lamb that came to be slain for the sins of the world. But no, the second coming, he's going to come as a lion of the tribe of Judah. He's going to come as a conquering king. And he's going to take back what he paid for. All this this world that man handed over in the Garden of Eden. See, God gave man dominion over the earth. And when he disobeyed God, he handed it over to Satan. And that's why Satan in the temptation can tell Jesus that, hey, if you bow down to me, I give you a shortcut. I'll just give you what you came for. That's why he was able to say it. And that's why Jesus didn't dispute it because man handed it over. But but Jesus paid for it. Or he redeemed it all. But one day he's going to come back for what's his. But to the Jews, it's a stumbling block that didn't. He didn't set up his kingdom now that the Messiah died. What? What is that? Apparently, they didn't read Isaiah 53. About the suffering servant. And to the Greeks, the the preaching of Christ being crucified was foolishness. You telling me that that your God was killed? He was resurrected. What is that? Foolishness to the Greeks. But we preach Christ crucified. Because there was victory in the cross. There was victory in it. And he, and he stayed on that cross because he loved us so much. Oh, they were clamoring for him. They were saying, if you are who you say you are, why don't you come down and save yourself? But guess what would have happened if he would have listened? He would have saved himself and everybody else would have died spiritually forever, been gone, eternally done. So praise God, Jesus didn't listen to those mockers. Praise God for that. And so we preach Christ crucified. Verse 24, it says, but, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, that's how we see him. He is not a stumbling block for us. He's not an obstacle or anything that we trip over. And he's not foolishness to us. He's, he's the power of God and the wisdom of God. I like that term, the wisdom of God, because in Christ, God brought together both justice and mercy. So you're wondering when when the scriptures tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Not only does it say that, but it tells us in Romans chapter 6, 23, that the wages of sin is death. So sin has to be paid for with death. So God, how can you be a just God and still forgive people? The cross. God himself, God the Son, he came down and, and guess what? He poured out his wrath upon Jesus, the wrath that we deserve. Father poured out his wrath on Jesus, on the cross. To the point where Jesus would cry out and say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so we see the justice of God. Sin had to be paid for. And Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, he paid for it. And we know he paid for it. And we know that it was accepted by God because the resurrection is the receipt. The resurrection is the receipt that says, yes, I accept Jesus' sacrifice on behalf of humanity. 
And so we see that there's justice that Jesus received, but then we see mercy and justice kiss on the cross because of Jesus taking God's justice, God is able to offer us mercy or forgiveness. And so God does not compromise his character. He's able to be both a just God and a merciful God because of the cross of Christ. And so to some people, it may be foolishness, but it is not foolishness to me. Praise God, we don't have to pay for our own sins because that would end up in eternal death. There's no way we can climb out out of our hole. We are spiritually bankrupt. And so I like that, that Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God and in the wisdom of God, we see how justice and mercy can coexist. Praise God for that. And in verses 13 through 16, it says, and he left them and getting into the boat again, he departed to the other side. So now he's going to the east side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves saying, it is because we have no bread. So they thought they were caught. They only had one loaf of bread. So that's why Jesus said that. You see, leaven is often seen as a type of evil or sin in the Bible. But they thought he was talking about them not having bread. But to them, oh, that's why Jesus said that. That's what they were thinking. Thinking on a natural level. But no, Jesus, when he mentioned leaven, beware of their leaven, he was referring to the evil doctrine or teachings or the evil influence of the Pharisees and of Herod Antipas. And some see this phrase, the leaven of Herod, as referring to his supporters, the Herodians. So Jesus says, beware of their influence, their evil influence. And so tonight we need to beware of negative influences as well. I almost forgot what my control was. Now in Proverbs 1, we're still reminded even in the Old Testament to beware of evil influences. Now, this is King Solomon speaking to his son. He said, my son, do not walk in the way with them. Do not walk in the way with sinners, he's saying. Keep your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Oh, people may not run in haste to shed blood. We see that today literally taking place right now on our streets in this country. And some people are being influenced by that. But sometimes people shed blood through hate. Because the scriptures tell us in 1 John that hate is murder. Now, if a person, if you hate somebody in your heart, you are a murderer. And so some people are influenced by people who hate other people. And so we're like those people who would make haste to shed blood. We become murderers, but murderers in our heart. Or sometimes we may murder people with our mouths, with our words, murdering people's character being influenced by what people say and don't even have the whole story. And so keep our foot from their path. Beware of those negative influence. Beware of the leaven of the culture. 
Verses 17 through 21, it says, but Jesus being aware of it, he said to them, why do you reason? Because you have no bread. Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves of the 5,000, how many baskets, those small baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said to him, 12. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets or hampers full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. So he said to them, how is it you do not understand? Matthew 16, 11 says, how is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? So we get more information there. But he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And it talks about Sadducees as well in in Matthew 16. Beware of their wicked influence. See, Jesus, the teacher here. Now, many of you know, I used to be a school teacher. I taught in Los Angeles Unified School District for a few years. And I came out here and I taught at one high school in Chandler just, you know, for a little bit before I moved on to the University of Phoenix. But when I used to be a school teacher, we would use what we would call standards-based lessons. So every state has their standards of what children need to learn in their particular grade. And so we will base our lessons on those standards of the state. And it was also, again, based on the grade we taught. And we will have these clear ways. We will have goals that we will set for the children based on those standards. And, and we will have assessments to, to give us a clear picture of whether or not they were meeting the goal, the state standards, or at least approaching. And at times we will find that as teachers, our, our students were not paying attention or they, they did not pay attention, some of them. And in our study today, Jesus, the teacher, found his disciples were not paying attention. So tonight, he's the teacher. He always will be the teacher. And like many teachers, he discovered that they missed what he was teaching them through his miracles and words. They, they miss what he was showing them about him. See, if they would have paid attention, Jesus would have never had to ask those questions that we see in verses 17 through 21. And what about us tonight? Have we paid attention like we should have? Have we paid attention to how he came through for others in the scriptures? Have we paid attention to how he helped the people we know? Have we paid attention to those things, how God is coming through for folks? Of how he cared for the Israelites in the wilderness. Of how he cared for Elijah and fed him with rape by ravens. Used birds to feed him. Of how he cast out a demon out of the Gentile woman's daughter. Have we paid attention to what we see in the scriptures of how Jesus came through for others? And have we paid attention to how he has been a blessing to so many people that we know in this very church? And have we paid attention to how he delivered us or helped us in our past? I remember keeping notes on my testimonies of the different things he would do. 
so I can share them with my children one day. And I've slacked off a little bit in that. But I still do it every now and then. But I wonder, have we paid attention to even some of the prophecies that have been fulfilled? Prophecies of of the Jews being back in their land. Prophecies of, of Jesus coming. At least coming the first time. Have we paid attention to that? That yes, he came the first time. Yes, he suffered on our behalf. And if that happened, then guess what? The other prophecies are going to be fulfilled. Have we been paying attention to those prophecies? Have we paid attention to all the lessons that he's been showing us in his word? See, there are some good reasons to get better at paying attention to, to God's lessons for us in his word and in our lives. And, and one of those reasons is there on the screen is that they help us in our current situation so that we won't panic. Just like the disciples did, they were in a boat, they were panicking because they only had one loaf. And they thought that Jesus was talking about that when he mentioned to, to them to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. And so if we pay attention to the lessons that he's showing us, then they'll help us in our current situation. And we won't panic. We, we'll remember that, hey, he met their needs too. These 4,000, he met the 5,000 needs and, and he could meet our needs too. They'll realize that they would have paid attention. If they would have paid attention. They would have had the same focus that God had. That's a benefit to paying attention to what God is showing us. Because some people are stuck on things that God isn't even talking about. That God had already moved on from. He's teaching us another lesson and we're still stuck in A. They're still stuck on that one loaf of bread and Jesus is moving on talking about beware of the wicked influence of certain groups of people. And bring it to us today. You know, sometimes we're still stuck on the mistakes that we've made and Jesus wasn't even talking about their mistakes. Oh, he was teaching them a valuable lesson. But some of us, like the disciples were, we're stuck on our mistakes of how we blew it. But, but God has already moved on. He's already forgiven us. And right now he's focused on molding us and equipping us for his work. And we're stuck on the mistake. We're stuck on the loaf of bread, so to speak. And so paying attention will help us to stay focused on it, being on the same page with the Lord. And then these lessons are valuable because they give us a proper view of God as he reveals himself to us. He revealed himself to them in the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000. He revealed himself as the provider that there will be no lack with me. If they would have understood that, they wouldn't have been concerned about one loaf of bread. They would have said, well, we have Jesus. Jesus is all we need. And so they didn't have that proper view of who he is. And so if we would pay attention, we would have that perfect view of God. And we wouldn't have to question God in a negative way. And people do that, by the way, because they see God on their level. 
Because notice the question in verse 4. The disciples answered Jesus, how can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? How could one do that? We're not just talking about anyone. We're talking about the Lord himself. We're talking about the creator of the universe. We're talking about the son of God. And so sometimes we question God in a negative way because we don't see him the way he's revealed himself to us. But if we paid attention, then we would. But not paying attention, we bring him down. But I wonder tonight, would, would Jesus ask us the following question as the worship team takes the stage? Would, would he ask us this following question? Would he say, how is it that you do not understand? Would Jesus ask us that question that he asked the disciples in verse 21? Understand that word, by the way, is translated from a Greek word that means to set or join together in the mind. In other words, you have all this information about me. All the evidence, the, the healings and, and the giving sight to the blind and the giving hearing to the deaf and casting out these demons, showing my superiority over demons and showing my superiority over the waves and over the storms. And I could even walk on water. Have you paid attention? Do you not understand? Have you put this information together in your mind? It's what he's asking them. And it was so important for them to have paid attention and understand what he was teaching because he was going to die on that cross. He was going to be buried. He was going to be resurrected. He was going to ascend back to heaven. And so they really needed to get the lessons. They really needed to pay attention. They really needed to understand because God was going to be using them to share the gospel with people. And, And how can they effectively share the gospel with people, the word of God with people, if they did not understand who he was and what he can do themselves. And so it was so important that they understood that. And it brings us to point number four of why it's, it's good for us to pay attention. And it's so that we can help others. Oh, he was training them. He was the teacher. They were the students and he was equipping them to be a blessing to others. We see the effect of that today through their teachings. Are we still here teaching the gospel? Still here. We see the effects of it. And so God wants to equip us to help someone else. How can we do that if we're not paying attention? And so these are some good reasons for paying attention. And we need to get better at that. But what happened as we get ready to close? What happened in And I don't need anybody to shout out the answer. But I wonder what happened when the disciples showed that they had not been paying attention. And this is so weird because they were actually participating in the miracles of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. They actually participated. Jesus gave them the food. They handed it out. They even collected the leftovers afterwards and That reminds us of how some of us are. We're too busy doing the work of God that we miss out on the lesson that he's teaching us. We're just on the go. We're just work, 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 sweat, 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 and not paying attention to what he's trying to teach us. We're missing it just like how the disciples were missing it. But like any great teacher, Jesus gave them reminders. 
And we see the reminders in verses 19 and 20 when he reminded him of those two separate miracles of feeding the multitude. He reminded them. And so tonight, maybe some of you are down on yourselves because you're like, man, I'm really getting beat up. I haven't paid attention to some of these things that the Lord has been teaching me. I I did my devotions this morning and I read that chapter and I can't tell you one line or one word that I just read. I get to that point sometimes I'm so sleepy reading the word of God. I have to read the same verse like 10 times before I can move on. And I'm a night owl. So some of you may be feeling bad right now. But I would just encourage you tonight, maybe you missed something. We can't go back in time and fix it. But my encouragement to you would just be to go back and get a refresher. Just go back. Ask God to help us to remember those things that he wants us to take with us and grow and be a blessing to others in the work he has for us to do. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for all the lessons that you've taught us, all the lessons you're teaching us. Many are recorded in your word. We see your lessons in other people's lives. People who prayed for healing. People who prayed that you helped them to overcome their situations. And they're here tonight as a living testimony that you're still working. That there's nothing too hard for you. Help us, Lord, to look at those awesome people in the scriptures and to look at the awesome believers around us and to look back over our own lives and see how good you really are, how awesome you truly are. Because, Lord, if we would get those lessons and we'll have a true understanding about the kind of God you are, we would not lose hope. We would not faint on the way. So, Father, I pray that you bless your people tonight. That you watch over them as they go back home. Give them traveling grace. That your word resonate in our hearts and minds throughout the week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all for coming out. May God bless you. May God keep you. May God use you in an awesome way this week. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.